0: Welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insight podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC. And each week, we invite our listeners to Take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Hello, Matthew.
1: Hi, Alison. And so, winter's officially upon us.
0: It is, it is, indeed, is indeed. Is It is indeed. Hopefully not too cold for everyone. Last week, we discussed the unresolved debt ceiling in the US. Since then, we've had agreement, which is great news, um, well, at least at the time of recording, that it's passed through the lower house and looks likely to, to get the full approval. So, big sense of inside relief from the markets who are now sort of feeling that weight being lifted off their shoulders so a great thing for markets but we've still got questions in the market including locally and I think that's one I wanted to chat to you about today which is our old favourite will Dr Lowe and the RBA uh, raise rates when they meet next Tuesday what do you think the market's not pricing it in for June but what's your call
1: well that's right the market's uh, pricing only a 20% probability of a rate hike next week Alison although that's up from zero probability that was priced in prior to Wednesday's monthly CPI read. But if you look out further, the market now is fully priced a 25 basis point rate hike, another rate hike uh, by August, uh, compared to no rate hikes prior to that CPI release. It is indeed,
0: actually. I mean, it's not, not surprising, perhaps you just referred to that CPI, but that was released earlier this week, coming out the monthly series, but coming out at 6.8%. So the market was expecting 64 so a bit of a surprise there. And a couple of other things that probably are weighing on the mind of the RBA, I will imagine, will be the uh, enterprise agreements in relation to minimum wages and award agreements that are due out this week. And my understanding is that the minimum wages has had a 7% rise factored in and that's in the budget Uh, but the award wages are perhaps a little bit more unknown and if there's something that is above a four that that might be of a little bit of concern to the RBA just on the basis it will add to wage pressure and ongoing inflationary pressures. You got any thoughts on that one?
1: Well you're right about the uh, seven percent minimum wage increase that is factored into the budget but for next week's decision I suppose Alison it's more important what the RBA is factored in unfortunately we don't know what that is Uh, but in any case the minimum wage outturn, turns out it only affects a small number of workers, about one and a quarter percent of the workforce. What's more important for the inflation outlook are the outcomes of the award agreements that the Fair Work Commission brings down as well, and they affect about two and a half million workers or 18 percent of the workforce. So what happens there is really critical. Now, last year, the Fair Work Commission lifted the minimum wage in line with inflation, which they may well do again today, that's the 7%. But they also lifted the award wages just shy of inflation. So if that's anything to go by, we will get that 7% wage increase for the minimum wages. Uh, our PM, Albanese, has been very strident in, in saying that, you know, uh, the worst off of workers or the lowest workers shouldn't be penalised by high inflation. So that's 7% there. And we estimate that the award wage lift will be around about four and a half percentage points. So there will be from that channel uh, further wage and inflation pressure coming through.
0: So, Matthew?
1: bubbling all of that together, where does that leave us for next Tuesday's rate decision? Well, wow, Alison, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? So, look, the RBA has indicated to us that it's been driven by data, meeting to meeting, looking at things like labour market, wage outcomes, what the consumer's doing. And on the basis of that, and our reading of RBA statements, we had forecast the uh, rate hike that we saw in the last meeting in May. If I look at the data that the RBA's on currently over the last month, we've had that wage data, the wage price index data for the quarter come through under expectations. We saw the labor market through the employment data softening, and we saw the consumer spending soften as well through the retail sales data. Now, as Philip Blow has pointed out, really that data is telling us that the higher interest rates, the rate hikes that we've already seen are doing their job in slowing down demand and economic activity, which should take pressure off inflation. On that basis, Alison, you'd expect the RBA to pause next Tuesday, but, and here's the rub, Governor Lowe has also been very strident in his assessment of higher wage growth in the absence of productivity growth and its likely impact down the track on inflation. So with productivity set to languish, given the cyclical slowdown in growth, it's hard to see unit labour costs remaining consistent with the inflation being within the RBA's band. So which of these two data points sort of win out? Is it this economic activity data and the wage price index data that we've seen over the month, or is it this more pessimistic outlook for labour costs? Well, next week, I think the growth labour market and wage price index data will win out and the RBA will pause. But down the track, most likely August, after which they'll get the CPI report, I think we'll get another rate hike, which should take the cash rate to 4.1%, which we think would see the RBA Done and dusted at that point. All right. At point. So
0: you've you've heard
1: it here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, if if I don't change my mind between now and Tuesday, of course, Ellison, as is no, the right of
0: every good
1: economist. No, no. I've got I've got conviction. Conviction is that they pause. They pause. Gags aside. Okay. Well, look back to you though. Another factor that will enter the mix that I haven't discussed here is. What other central banks are doing, in particular the Fed, we know that the RBA looks to the other banks because as they move their interest rates, that affects economic and financial market conditions here in Australia. Now, given all that turmoil around the debt ceiling we've been plagued with over the last couple of weeks, how have the Fed been responding? We sort of lost sight a little bit of those in our discussions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's it's perhaps a little different. We've got uh, in the US, the market's pricing a 40% chance of another hike in the next month. And in the UK, there's 75 basis points of hikes priced in. So a slightly different outlook, given they're already at higher levels than we are now. So this would take both markets well above 5%. So quite a distance from Australia. So really interesting considering, you know, there's obviously some, you know, both large developed market economies that we we trade with regularly. The international market is still really worried about the persistence of inflation. And looking at the data, I can really see why. You've got UK inflation at 8.7% and seemingly quite sticky. And in the US, you know, certainly had a slowdown a while back in that core inflation. But in the last year or so, it's really tracked sideways. So really not seeing that downward trajectory that, that, that the Fed would hope to see. So overall, I think, you know, markets are sort of very focused on interest rates. They are focused on inflation. But you know, I do think if
1: we do see some additional hikes there, we could see a little bit of volatility in the market. Yeah, I mean, it is remarkable, isn't it? We sort of worry and wail and gnash our teeth here about the situation in Australia, but we've got better growth outlook, lower inflation and lower interest rates relative to the US and 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 Europe. So in some sense, we're, we're sort of much better off. But if the US were to raise rates a couple more times, that would place – added pressure on the RBA to raise rates, I think, because, you know, we would see our currency sink even further from where it is, and that would flow on to further inflationary pressure. Look, I know we've talked about this on a number of occasions, but do these higher rates that you're seeing overseas pose a threat to valuations of risk assets?
0: Look, it's an interesting question. I mean, markets are always very forward-looking, and they do try and take these things into consideration. But there is a really split view out there in the market about what's going to happen with rates, particularly in the States. You've got, as we talked about, you know, a 40% chance of another rate hike coming up. Um, but we're also still got the market factoring in cuts towards the end of 2023. So that's really, I think, this bimodal outcome where some investors are are very concerned about a form of recession or or a slowdown that's going to require those cuts. And, and others are still saying, well, the, you know, the Fed's got a job to do and in getting inflation under control. And you know, either way that could be quite challenging for, for, for markets because if we see persistent inflation that's going to be challenging for margins and potentially for for, for earnings uh, and certainly if we see a really strong slowdown that could be a challenge for earnings now I don't want to be uh, uh, you know sort of uh, glass half empty on both sides of those things but it is an interesting dilemma to watch and we could see a catalyst there and and I do think that you know if we do see you know The old adage of America catches the flu, Australia will be cold. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably likely to exist and likely to be maintained. And we could get a bit of a downward trajectory in Australia too.
1: Yeah, notwithstanding the slightly better conditions in the Australian financial markets and and also in the, the economy. Alison, in my very simple way, I've always thought of the Aussie market being reduced down to resources, banks and REITs. What's your thinking
0: there? Look, oh, in a really simplified form, I think it's you tend to be tend to be correct on that one. I mean,
1: oh, now no, Alice, hold on, hold on. That was your intro to sort of say, oh no, Matthew, you don't <laughs> like that's that's very sophisticated thinking you've got there. You did not have to agree.
0: <laughs> uh, no no look no, i agree We our, our market doesn't have the breadth of some other markets and it has been holding up really really well yeah. you know breaking it yeah. into those three groupings you've had commodities which has been a tremendous source of strength for australia you know mm. we saw a budget that uh, has you know real windfall gains from that you know extra revenue earned by the high commodity prices and that has flown through to a strong commodities market in general in the share market but now we are seeing some slowing growth, particularly in China, which is one of our largest trading partners, and that's seeing a bit of a slowdown in commodities and commodity pricing. So, you know, that that's interesting to watch. I think the banks are really well positioned, you know, they're very well capitalised, but we are now moving, as I said, into a slowing economy and it is likely to slow credit growth and potentially sort of limit um, net margin gains uh, for the banks. And probably the contrast to those two sectors, which have been doing well, is the REITs. REITs have had a tough time and they've really been re-rated over concerns about the underlying asset values or what you know we might refer to as net asset values or things like, in particular, the commercial properties where there is some <laughs> concern, say, say, for example, office buildings, which may not be quite much in demand looking forward. So, those rates have really been marked down a bit, and the actual rates are trading well below, you know, the average net asset value by around about 20%. So generally, pretty strong market, I agree, backed by a pretty strong economy and one that, you know, we tend to agree that won't go into a recession. But we do need to be cognizant of what's happening in the global environment and. As a result, we are still a little bit underweight risk assets as we sort of just think about these concerns more from the global stage of, than the Australian perspective.
1: Yeah, quite a consistent view of yours. Uh, good conviction.
0: You. Well, Matthew, thank you again for joining me today. And thanks also to our listeners for taking time.